Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about what we have seen in the last five games from the Oklahoma City Thunder. So five kind of marks we saw there, but also I'm going to be talking about the team news that has surrounded the team in the last 10 or so days. And like always, guys, I'll be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But first, I kind of just want to recap the last five games. Same deal as a few weeks ago. My apologies, kind of transitioning yet again back into school, so should be good to go uh, now. But yeah, just going to the last five, ended up seeing the Thunder go one and four, so it gave them a net record of 13 and 25 when it was all said and done. Obviously, they had their last game against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They lost by 30 points. Baseball set there. Game before, lose by eight points. Uh, and then you have obviously the Mavs and the Suns that were there. Those were some losses. They were able to defeat the New York Knicks on New Year's Eve, though. Uh, and from that, we got to see a lot more opportunities. And we saw a lot more health and safety protocol. Uh, I'm not going to say violations, but we saw a lot more people join that list. Mark Dagnall joined. We saw six members at one point on the roster being thrusted into health and safety protocols. And as a result of that, you have to field more players in. And what a lot of these teams have done is they've gone out and they've picked guys from the G League pool. They've taken either their top player from their homegrown G League affiliate, or in some special cases, they're going to go out to other franchises. They're going to talk to the franchise, try to have the opportunity to interview uh, with said player, and then ink them on a 10-day. Prime example, DJ Wilson. He is with the Toronto Raptors on another 10-day, and the reason they were able to get the first 10-day uh, was they had to talk to Oklahoma City, make sure they got clearance, they got it, and they got DJ. Uh, but for the Thunder, they never had to jump through those hoops when making their transactions. They ended up signing four different players on 10-day contracts, Scotty Hobson, Olivier Saar, and Rob Edwards. And then the very next day, they signed Jalen Horde to round out that quartet, but you get those four in, kind of get more of a base um, for, you know, your group of guys. I think they actually began uh, with the Suns, and then it was literally those five games where they were available. They were not there for the Timber uh, Timberwolves game, but, you know, they could have technically. I think they got sent back a day early or something like that, but they were there. They were available, and we got to see some run from them. However, their contracts have all expired, so they are back with the Oklahoma City Blue. We saw Olivier Saar, actually, against the Santa Cruz Warriors fold down the goal, actually. He went in for a two-handed uh, kind of, I'm going to say driving dunk. There wasn't a lot to it, like he wasn't going coast-to-coast coast or anything crazy, but took kind of two steps in, put it in, kind of held on to the right rim for a little bit too long, and then the whole system just collapsed. Took about 30 minutes to put in a new system, put the bleachers in. It was a whole fiasco, and the Blue did not win that game, uh, but it was still a really good moment for him. Um, however, you know, when you're looking at the NBA games, that's kind of what you look at with Saar and everybody else. Horde did not get to play. Hobson was able to get his first career NBA field goal, 
Rob Edwards got his first career buckets. And then for Olivier, he did pretty damn well. But that does not conclude things because a couple days ago, we actually had the Thunder's first trade of the season. And this was a two-part move. The first move that came was that the Oklahoma City Thunder waived Gabrielle Deck from the roster. And with Deck, you know, here's the thing, right? Like, he's a really good player, and we kind of know that. Passing-wise, he's pretty damn skilled. Finishing, you saw a lot of the post-play in his rookie campaign, those 10 games he was able to show off. But he's 26 years old. He really didn't fit the pace of the game. If you guys have watched him, you can tell that, you know, he's pretty meticulous when it comes to his movements, and his jump shot is a set shot. There's not really much you can work with there, um, especially when guys are going to be closing out on you like crazy. So it limits the options. When you have 10 guys that are 23 years old or younger, you're going to get kind of shoveled back into the rotation. And some people have mentioned it's a language barrier. I don't know how much truth there is to that. Um, but, you know, we, we saw it, that he just was not able to get on the floor. You know, did he deserve rotational minutes? I think if you're looking for the best rotation, the best lineups, he definitely would have played more than seven games this season. And out of those seven, I really think all of those appearances were due to necessity. This was when you had health and safety on the rise. He played in the Phoenix game a decent bit, played well, and then was back to the bench. Uh, You had the Memphis game where he had 22 minutes, but then he was back to doing nothing The only time he was in was if they were down 40 points or they were down four players. There's no ands, if, or buts on that. And it was just kind of a bad relationship. You had two different timelines where the Thunder are looking to enhance their play for the future. They're looking to play these rookies. They're looking to play guys that maybe right now aren't better than Gabrielle, but in three, four years, they're going to be better overall players. And in Deck's case, You know, he went from Real Madrid, one of the premier teams in the Euro League, in the Liga ACB, to the Thunder, and he never got to play. So going from being one of the main players in the Euro League, the Liga ACB, being a multiple-time, I think he was a one-time MVP over in Argentina's uh, Premier League as well. Like, he is very accomplished as a player, and to go from that, go from Olympic basketball to Uh, really just sitting on the bench it must have been bad for him and we saw that from the media team as well we don't really know the whole deal with uh el tortu or el tortu deck i believe that's the twitter name where it's the media team tweeting about him they're talking about hashtag free uh free deck you know this and that and it, it was kind of to a point where it seemed like no one was really happy. So they cut ties there. This has kind of been the first time that I remember since maybe Reggie Jackson that it just wasn't working where the player could not uh, really uh, stand the team. And, you know, the Thunder weren't really able to uh, fit the needs that he had. Uh, and, 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 you know, it results in this. This is probably the best move just because Deck, he deserves a better shot. I think part of this uh, lies on the Thunder for not giving the opportunity. But at the same time, you know, the Thunder need to play their young guys. And if that means Deck's not going to play, you know, it's kind of how that is. Isaiah Roby can't get minutes most of the time. And I would say Roby's been a pretty productive player. So for a guy like Gabrielle, where you know, he's all right. He's going to give you some good passes. He kind of fits the mold of that point forward, but he's really not 
that fast in terms of game speed. If you give him the basketball, it essentially turns into an entry pass post play or a catch and shoot that really doesn't have a good hit rates. It, it was a bad, it was a bad match and he's going to be able to get a 10 day deal. There's been sources saying that he's going to return to Real Madrid. We will see, but his tenure with the Oklahoma City Thunder is officially over and I do not expect that to be rekindled. But as a result of that, a roster space was created. And instead of picking somebody out of the free agent pool, upgrading Aaron Wiggins, uh, this was part two of two in the move where they traded for Mai Oni and a 2028 second round pick from the Utah Jazz. And for the Thunder, they gave away a million dollars of cash considerations, I believe. But this was a move to get another second round pick and this 2028 second round pick does have a good intrigue to it not necessarily due to the pick itself obviously it could be pick 31 and that's great value of course but the 2028 seconds would have been the replacement for the Jazz's first round protected pick that the Thunder acquired on draft day for Derek Favors. So if the protection uh, was granted for the Utah Jazz, let's say they're really bad in 2027 and they're going to find themselves uh, with the like fourth pick in the draft or something, then they go to that second round pick. Now it's a given. The Thunder will be getting that draft pick and we will see about the first rounder there, but it ends up stacking their total of draft picks to damn near, I believe it was 30 in the next however many years until 2028. That's got to be the biggest hoard in the entire league. It's not close. And for Presti, just makes another one of those moves where you find a team that is kind of getting high in luxury tax. They're not looking to pay and you get an asset out of them. They did not want to pay Oni because it would have had a lot of repeaters tax on it. And you know, for Moni, uh, Oni, I don't know if he's really worth all of that for them. So they shipped him out. The Thunder subsequently waived him. So they have that roster spot now, but they also have that second round pick to work with as well. So you get rid of Deck after 17 career games. You get Oni, you waive him, and then you get the 2028 second round pick to use down the road in future trades or just flat out select somebody there because there has been value in the second round for Oklahoma City. But for some blue news, I mentioned it, DJ Wilson is gone. He's not with the Oklahoma City Blue anymore. This is a deal that initially uh, we didn't know about on the first 10-day hardship exception. Uh, It's kind of murky whether he'd return to the Raptors 905 or the OKC Blue, what would be next for his course of action there. But following the 10-day contract, the Toronto Raptors have continued to pursue DJ Wilson. He looked extremely good in those two games. The Raptors averaged 12 points, seven rebounds, was getting some steals as well, doing really everything he did uh, with the blue in their 15-game slate and, of course, the showcase. But they signed him again, and this is a legit 10-day deal, so this is not a hardship. He is going to return there for a couple more games for reevaluation. And as a result, he has been taken off the OKC Blues roster. So you get a roster space there, and you end up getting Georgios Kalizakis. He was initially reported to be a two-way signing for the Thunder. Looks to be not the case here. He is on an Exhibit 10, just typical G League standard contract right now. Could that change if a roster spot is created on a two-way? Of course, 
but um, unlike initial reports, yeah, it's not going to be a two-way deal, at least right now for Georgios, and he looked good against the Santa Cruz Warriors in the second game. He was able to eclipse 20 points. He looks good as a slasher, six foot seven, pretty nice wingspan, so he can guard multiple positions. The issue is the catch-and-shoot game, and that is a very big issue to have for a Thunder team that is shooting the worst in catch-and-shoot statistics that we've ever seen since they began tracking it like 10 or so years ago. It's bad. So for Georgios, this is a defensive-minded player, looks nice around the basket, but he has not unlocked that third level yet, and that does sting just a little bit. And for another guy like that, you get Anthony Roberson. This is Andre's brother. He went to UCO. Um, but yeah, with him, he is also kind of the guy where he's not a catch-and-shoot player, but defensive-oriented he was on the Blues day one roster, actually. You could find him on the list, but he was not traveling with the team. We didn't really get any reports on him either. Now he is here. He was playing in both of the Santa Cruz games, and they're playing Stockton next. So I would assume that both Georgios and Anthony will be there as well. But that's going to lead off into the five little pointers I got from the last five games and i will get to that in one second but first i want to let you guys know about a special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings sportsbook hockey fans DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of its ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings, and DraftKings is giving away all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Here is what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey. Indiana or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details, and if you have a gambling problem, go ahead and call 1-800-GAMBLER. But guys, moving right along into the five pointers from the last five games, I want to start things out with the man himself, Josh Giddy. And we've already known that Josh Giddy is an exceptional player. Look at his passes, man. He's getting like 7-8 a game sometimes, getting rebounds out the wazoo. And for scoring, he's really started to unlock that three-point shot after really only being a floater specialist through the first five or ten games. So he's really branched out, and it's really come into full fruition in the last five in particular Sunday night's game against the Dallas Mavericks he officially etched himself into NBA history you know the week before that he had 10 points and 10 rebounds with zero points first time since 1971 we've seen a stat line like that 
but he finally gets the triple-double here. So he breaks the record previously set by LaMelo Ball. And the craziest thing about this is, you know, obviously the record cannot be touched now if Giddy were to get a triple-double again, but it's still going to move LaMelo back a spot for the next 45, 50 days or so. He has a couple months on LaMelo uh, when he was able to catch that accolade. And with LaMelo Ball, we all know the hype with him. We know where LaMelo is right now. He's kind of the cornerstone of the Charlotte Hornets, and he's done a great job with that team. With Josh Giddy. he's on a crazy trajectory. You can just check the stat lines night to night with him. He's going to be explosive in some areas. In that game, he had 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists, but there's other games where he's nearing 16, 17 rebounds in a game, and it kind of gets you thinking, how was he able to fall to pick number six? Even at that, a lot of people did not like the selection. It took me a decent bit to really get into it. Thought that they needed an explosive scorer. Josh Giddy is more of that facilitating type without that shot. But it's looking like it has worked so far. Now, no SGA, no Lou in that game. But it doesn't matter. Even when everybody is healthy, Josh Giddy is able to be a very positive influence for this team. So it's no surprise when he gets full control, he's able to finally get that triple double after having eight double doubles on the season and having six games where he had a stat line with 10 in one category and seven in the other. So he was just six combined away. And in some cases, only like two or three away from finally achieving that triple double. So congratulations to him. But my goodness, man, for a dude that is six foot eight, being able to do things that he does really on a nightly basis is very uncommon. And it kind of gets you wondering, what is the next piece for this roster? You have SGA, you have Giddy, and you have Dort. You know, you want to establish those as your top three. Uh, but also, you know, you could go for a top player in the next draft class, a Jabari Smith, Apollo Blanchero, one of those guys to fill in maybe at the three or something. And then you start wondering. But as of right now, this tandem of SGA and Josh Giddy uh, are just spewing potential. Now, they don't have the full roster construction. We know it's going to take two to three more years for the Thunder to finally be at that point. They need that center. They need a couple other guys on the bench to round things out, but they definitely have the assets, and Josh Giddy is a definite keeper with this team, and he's been a really fun player to watch. He always changes the dynamics of things when he's going in there. You know, as a slasher in the pick and roll, he's one of the best to do it in terms of dump off passes. He's not 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", where, you know, you might have an inch or two on the point guard, but in terms of the big man, you're obviously at that disadvantage. With Giddy, he's at 6'8", so he's going to get by the guard or the forward on him, but also for the center, it's not like there's a huge wall in front of him. He knows exactly uh, where everybody is on the floor, and he's able to hit people up in that regard too, to where he can find passes that really, to the naked eye, should not be there. No one would see it except for him. He's so good at analyzing the court and just picking people apart. I think the height advantage is definitely a factor in terms of that. And you know, if you are going to go two up on him, if you're going to hedge or you're going to entirely double him off that high ball screen, he's just going to jump over you, make the jump pass and get two points. If he's able to roll inside and then you see the late switch or the late double, he's going to do a bounce pass. That's going to be a bucket as well. But if you decide to kind of sag off too, 
His floater has really developed. Trey Mann was initially the guy uh, out of this rookie class that I saw as a floater specialist. Josh Giddy has become one as well, and his touch around the basket is exceptional, so that helps him. Uh, obviously, the cross-court passes too. That kind of factors into some other things. You know, When he's driving in, especially from that left wing, that's when you start to see the cross-court passes. The right corner is his sweet spot. If someone is sagging off from there, he will hit you up. This is the same type of play that I saw from Teo when I scouted him uh, whenever he first got drafted out of ASVL. Uh, and with Giddy, it's no different. But now he's doing it on a consistent basis at the NBA level. You're seeing cross-court passes like this two to three times a game. And in terms of driving inside, he's one of the leaders, not just as a rookie, but in the league right now. And that's going to obviously result in some buckets as well off of the assists. So he finally broke the tab on the triple-double. I would expect that to be a regular occurrence with him, but one hell of a job for the 19-year-old in the last five games. And another big stretch for Isaiah Roby as well. Isaiah has not been getting minutes. He has been put behind Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Derek Favors is there as as the five. And then Mike Muscala, he's probably one of the Thunder's best players. In terms of catch and shoot, in terms of what this team needs, he is the perfect cog in the system. So it puts Roby, who was a consistent starter last year, into a position, actually an absence of a position. He's not in the daily rotation because Jeremiah Robinson Earl took that spot from him. And for the guys like Favors and the guys like Muscala, you need the traditional fives. And with Muscala, he's going to be able to drop 10 points in five minutes. And that's nothing new for him either. He's just a straight beast. There's no other way to put it. But Roby, I don't think he deserved to lose his minutes. I think it was just a matter of JRE outclassing him early and him not being able to get a second opportunity. Well, he was grinding out in the blue system. He had double-double after double-double. Jeremiah Robinson Earl happened to be in addition to the COVID list, and Roby was able to slide in and make the most out of his opportunity. He was able to play in the last four of five games for the Thunder, In that span, he averaged 9.5 points, 5.5 boards, and .8 assists. His shot chart was magnificent. 15 of 21 from the floor, and then from distance, he went 6 of 7 from deep. Can't really do much better uh, from that regard. And with Isaiah Roby... You know, he is in a position where his bread and butter has to come off the high ball screen. People have been disrespecting him from the top of the key. Even though last season he was shooting around the 30s, you know, you would still give him that shot when it was open. If it's up to SGA driving inside or giving it to Giddy up top, you're going to give it to, uh, not Giddy, you're going to give it to Roby up top and just kind of play dice with that. But Yeah, he's made defenders pay uh, out of those games. I think three of them came actually perfect. So he might have had like a two or uh, out of three game, but the other ones he was just locked in. And he's been locked in from all facets. We know how Roby is able to contribute as a center. Obviously, he has a small ball five. So 
circumstances do matter. A post big is going to eat him alive on the rebounds, get second chance points, and uh, potentially hurt his interior game, but it gives you the opportunity from downtown. With a guy that's 6'9", 6'10", and maybe not that giant bulky big where it's all interior, that's when he has a fair shot, and he was able to play well uh, really through thick and thin, and for those bigger guys, he was even able to slash to the basket himself on a couple penetrations. I do think the main thing, though, happened to be his rolling ability. I have seen a lot of Roby tape in terms of his driving, and I'm a big fan when it comes off of the high ball screen. Teo was the first person that I saw real connection with with Isaiah. In the preseason games last season, Teo and Roby just had it together. You get the high ball screen from the free throw line to the top of the key. Just somewhere in that range, you slash to the basket. Roby has the step on his man. Teo is also there. He was making really good reads. And it resulted in alley-oops and just flushes around the basket. Now, you sub out Teo for Josh Giddy, who is one of the best passers on this team and one of the best really league-wide. It becomes explosive. The duo of those two were ridiculous. I'll say the Mavs game, uh, which I was in attendance for, so it kind of gives you a different perspective, right? But I'd say that was his most impressive game out of the campaign. You saw multiple attempts at those drives, at those high ball screens, and more often than not, Isaiah Roby was coming out on top with two points. Whether it comes off of dunks, layups, doesn't matter to me. End result is all that really comes into the factor here, and he was doing one hell of a job getting his way. So I think he has great understanding of that uh, and when to roll, when to pop. Floor spacing has always been a big deal with him that I've been high on, and he's definitely an NBA caliber guy. Now, is he a starter? No. I think he's definitely someone you bring off of the bench, but we just haven't been able to see him because there are so many young players and only so many opportunities. So he has always been kind of on the back burner, at least for this season. He got his chance. I would hope he taps in and I hope he gets that shot because I think he would make the most of it. He already had those four games. He did so. Uh, The one thing He's now on the COVID list, so he didn't play in the last game against the Timberwolves. Jeremiah Robinson Earl is back. Timing could not have been worse for him because he was on the biggest hot streak of his season, probably the biggest hot streak of his career, at least in terms of having your back against the wall. He needed to play under pressure. He made diamonds out of it, and he made one hell of an effort for the Thunder during that stretch. So Mike Wilkes was the main coach there. Hopefully he's able to talk with Dagnall, kind of give him some insights. And we get to see some action from him, whether it's 10, 15 minutes yet again once he returns, because he was very, very good. Another player that's been great, Aaron Wiggins. I talked about him in the last podcast. I'm assuming everybody already knows Aaron Wiggins deserves that, you know, standard contract. He has been playing above his expectations of the two-way deal since being inducted into the starting unit. He's just been gunning off basket after basket. He had a three-game stretch where he was averaging 20 points per game. And this last stretch as well, he's been able to drop 18.3 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 0.8 assists. That's the last four. Uh, But yeah, This is another big thing that you see with guys being thrown on the COVID list. Poku was out. Baze was out. Jeremiah was out. So Wiggins was playing small ball for really, and he was crushing them as a catch-and-shoot player. 
SGA would hit him up, Giddy would hit him up, and he'd hit it. But also, as a penetrator towards the basket, he's pretty damn good. He's able to take that hit, but also, it's not just point A to point B. Now, when I say that, is he going to be killing you with between the legs, crossovers? No, it really is more that straight line drive, but the kick comes at the very end. He's very good at slowing down, getting hop steps and euros, uh, drawing contact on those, of course, and still being able to kind of brute force his way to the basket and get a pretty good crack at it. He's had some acrobatic finishes in the last five. Mid-range has just been money for him, has to take a step in. If it's going in, does it really matter? I don't think it does. So he's making defenders pay in that regard too. But also defensively, you're getting hustle play after hustle play. He's mirroring what Lou Dort did two seasons ago uh, and kind of how he was able to earn his standard contract. He's going to get that standard contract. And this is something that is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, I think. Um, Just because contracts, because of money, that roster spot being open, you might want to trade for somebody. So we'll see. But yeah, he's going to get that roster spot. And, you know, for me, I think I'd almost rather see him in the starting unit over Baze and Poku. People have been kind of talking about Baze in in a really good manner these last couple games. And deservingly so. He's done one hell of a job, I'd say, as a blocker. His rim protection ability has been awesome. Decision-making on offense is obviously the pitfall, but defensively, he's been great. That's what the Thunder could use. He needs to be able to hit threes, though. I think that's kind of what puts you uh, back on the Wiggins boat there, but yeah, I think Wiggins gets that 25-minute slate, continue the success. I don't really see him being a flaky guy. He's been consistent every time he steps out there, and if he's not dropping you know, 10, 12 points off of the three-point line. He's going to get inside, whether it's through free throws or just straight makes. Uh, So he's always going to give you a really good shot, whether it's in the starting unit or just coming off the bench. Always a little bit of uh, fresh air when it comes to the 23-year-old. But another thing I want to talk about here is the catch-and-shoot play of the Thunder. I mentioned it a second ago, but the Thunder are shooting like historically bad off of the catch and shoot. And for a team that has the league leader in drives in SGA, a rookie in Josh Giddy, who's leading those rookies in drives and really being that second star of the show, you need to have corner sitters and guys at the wing that will be able to produce on a consistent basis. And they have not had that yet this season. And it really starts from top to bottom. When you're checking out some of the major falls from last season to this season, Lou Dort starts things off. Lou Dort was the man for SGA last year. If SGA needed to hit someone from distance, it was going to be Lou. He shot 36.9% off the catch this season, not even shooting 30%. He's shooting 29.3% off the catch really the second best player you got and the best bench contributor as a sharpshooter had to go to Ty Jerome. Now, he has a lot of half-court plays where if you're not kind of going up on him, he's just going to pop it from 30 feet and make you pay. But still, off the catch, he was shooting a red-hot 41.2%. Right now, he's shooting 29.2%. So if you're going to have two of the biggest players in prime positions, these are backcourt positions, just not contributing, it's going to put you in a bad spot uh, really every single game. If you're not hitting it, why would you stay out there from deep? 
Can they be a threat? Of course they can, but if they're not hitting anything right now, test the waters a little bit. Cram the paint. Play that box and one defense. Just make life hell for the Thunder if they're going to drive to the basket. And we've seen it on some occasions. Some of them, they still opt to stick to their man out there. Either way, can show success or not show uh, success just given the flow of basketball, right? But it gives defenses a little bit of wiggle room. If they're getting good shots and they're not hitting them, you know, you're able to give those guys tough shots around the basket or not allow points in the paint to be a killer. Fouls have been uh, kind of the saving grace of the Thunder in these circumstances. A lot of the times you see SGA just drive to the basket. If he's not making it, he's getting to the charity stripe, which is still going to be a net positive. But point being, you have to have people that will hit it for you. And the majority of these players are front court figures. The top catch and shoot guys are front court pieces. Mike Muscala is number one. This is to be expected. We've seen him. We've seen the numbers. He's shooting 42.5% on catch and shoot threes this year. Isaiah Roby is shooting 45% too. And with Roby, he doesn't have the sample size really necessary to give that full grade on him. But you can't knock him for shooting 45%. We know that he's been cut down on minutes a lot, but we also know he's been good in those minutes. So I think he's worth mentioning just as another reason to maybe throw him out there and test some more pick and pop waters. And Kenrich Williams is another two where he's not going to be setting screens or anything, but just off the ball, he's always a threat. He's shooting 40.4% going into tonight's game. So he deserves a little bit of credit there, but for the main pieces, you know, SGA is not taking a lot off the catch with Josh Giddy. He's not known as a catch-and-shoot player, so I don't really think it's worth throwing him any crap. He, he's still kind of getting used to it and developing, and he's done a very good job on the ball, creating those three-point shots and hitting them, so you would hope that taps into the three-point line uh, off the catch, too. But yeah, when you're only shooting 32.5% on catch-and-shoots, it's never going to be a recipe for success. You want to be shooting 34, 35, 36%. And for some teams, they're shooting even better than that. Thunder have just historically been bad on catch and shoots. No different this year. And this has by far uh, been the worst outing yet. So hopefully they're able to uh, get some more production out in the next couple games and then turn that into the trend for the remainder of the season. But talking about kind of that larger future what's next for this team you got to talk about the open roster spots and you got to talk about the two-way debate that could potentially happen in the next few days weeks or months we'll have to see when this full roster is filled up when they upgrade Wiggins or they make a trade this or that Um, but if Wiggins gets moved up it turns into a two-way contract you're looking to fill and that's where things get interesting and even on the the surface level Let's say there is no two-way up for grabs. They're not looking to upgrade Wiggins. They're looking to sit on this 15th roster spot until the deadline. There's still a cog out there that you can shift. And I've been talking about Paul Watson Jr. uh, a lot on this podcast. I've talked about it a lot on the SI website as well. Um, But he's 27 years old now. He just turned 27. And it's just like Deck where... 
He's not playing. You have so many young guys that have shown flashes. What's the point in throwing Watson out? Uh, especially when his calling card, which is being a shooter, has just not fallen into place. He's shooting like in the teens from distance. When he's playing out there, he's he's been starting, but he just hasn't been um, productive. And then even in the G League, he hasn't been productive either. And he hasn't been in the G League in over a month. So he's just kind of sitting there on the sidelines. Nothing's being done. If there is some transaction to be made in-house, I think you'd want to sub out Watson and put in a replacement player for that two-way contract. And I think the best option as of right now has to be Olivier Saar. Olivier proved his worth on his 10-day contract. And you can make the case that the other three guys never truly got their chance. You can make the case uh, some other blue guys would be better fits. But out of the current four that we saw, Olivier was clearly the best fit for the roster. 12-minute debut for him, 4 points, 5 rebounds, 2 blocks. Those 2 blocks came in succession, and his leaping ability is insane dude has the prototype that the thunder would love he's a seven footer but he's quick on his feet he's not going to kill you in terms of pacing and he's been really working on the pick and pop as well he's more of a mid-range pick and pop guy currently but a lot of reps have been going into that top of the key three saw it with the blue here and there and we saw it in the warm-ups actually for sunday's game too The three-point shot is something he's looking to integrate into his game. I think if he is able to do that, you'd almost want, want, not even want, you'd almost have to sign him because he gives you really everything else currently. He's a really good rim runner to the basket in terms of his verticality. It's hard to find a better one in the G League currently. And in terms of rim protection, also hard to find one better than him in the G League. And he's only 22 years old, so that is young. People are going to say, when I get a rookie, there's no rookies. And in the G League, you're not going to find an unclaimed seven-footer who can leap out of the gym. That's going to be someone tied down to a two-way contract at the minimum. So for Sar to be here on an Exhibit 10 is still pretty mind-boggling. Like the Thunder have been known, and really in the last two years, they've been known to just produce really good centers. Moses Brown was a beast in the bubble. Omer, you're at seven. It almost makes me cry every time I think of him because he's just been so good for the Heat. I'll talk about him probably in another pod, but damn, they missed out. Um, And with Saar, you're starting to see that same kind of deal where there's flashes for him. When DJ Wilson has been off the court, Saar has been pretty damn good as a player. In the Santa Cruz game, this is the first one. He was able to log a double-double, believe 18 rebounds were there for him, but he tore down the rim, like I talked about. The whole system came down off of this dunk. He had to push a new one in, and that was that. It was it was pretty funny. I, I'd even say the commentary crew was making me chuckle a bit, because they had to resort to talking about food, talking about shows. I remember one of them was standing up on his phone for like a minute or two, not even knowing they were on the air. Like, they had to do some improv, and I respect them, but I also respect Olivier Saar for just the contribution he was giving with Wilson out. We haven't been able to see Saar on big minutes with the blue because Wilson has been there, because Poku has been there, Paul Watson has been there. There hasn't been enough time to give him those 20-plus cuts, but now he's getting them, and he's been really, 
really impressive. So if they can get him on another 10-day, I would do so. If not, maybe sit, wait, and see what goes on with Sar and extend that two-way contract if it becomes available. Because not only is he a beast, he's also shown flashes on both ends, and he gives you your first true center that could fit into the rebuild. Just give a base offer. Give that your seven offer. Give the Brown offer, where you give this season guaranteed, and the next season's non-guaranteed, and maybe another one's non-guaranteed. Just let him earn his stripes on the next level, on a bigger scale, put a microscope on him, and then you can reevaluate. But this is a low-risk, high-reward picking up star from the G League with Paul Watson team next year. So, like, what is the point if he's already 27? Just my take on it. If you guys have a different take, make sure to let me know on that. But, yeah, Sar looked pretty damn impressive. So, I will get you guys the recaps on the next slate of games. You got the Nuggets for the Thunder tonight. And then for the Blue, they will be playing against the Stockton Kings in a baseball set. So, I'll get that to you all. But, like I said, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.